What's going on, friends? This is Ro from the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. You're tuned in to the Coruscant Radio Underground. May the Force be with you. Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to another episode of Coruscant Radio Underground, presented by thesciencefictionary.com, which no longer exists. Huh. Uh, hopefully that's temporary, but uh, yeah, yeah, the website's down soon. Don't go to it. Don't go to it. You will be disappointed. Not that there was, you know, it wasn't just necessarily replete with fascinating and timely <laughs> and new articles <laughs> to start with, no. but at least it was there. <laughs> Yeah, we had big plans for the website. Yeah, those haven't happened yet. Currently, it's the victim of our our payment dispute with Bluehost. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's a mess. So we're here tonight to talk about all the new Lord of the Rings news. Yes, so exciting, because that's what we're here for, right? Lord of the Rings? Uh, I guess that's another show, but uh, that, that will exist Someday soon, hopefully. But Someday soon, yes. Yeah, no, there's a lot of good Lord of the Rings news. A lot more good Lord of the Rings news floating around today than Star Wars. Uh, Star news. Wars. But if you're fans yeah. of Lord of the Rings uh, and you hadn't seen it, go check out the cast list. Um, yes. Sure, surely it's not a, a complete cast list, but I think our major players have mm-hmm. been introduced. I'm super excited, and I, I would really be surprised if there wasn't a significant amount of overlap in Star Wars fans and Lord of the Rings fans. You would hope. That there's some overlap since Star Wars is rooted so heavily in high fantasy, but... Maybe not. If you couldn't care less, you can just ignore this conversation. Move on to the interesting stuff that's about Star Wars. So, if you hadn't figured it out tonight, it's me, Andrew, and I'm here with Marisha. His wife. My wife. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, Daniel and Robbie are still missing in action. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't love us enough. Uh, presumably, they will uh, <laughs> turn back up somewhere along the way. But yeah, life—it kind of gets in the way of ventures like talking about Star Wars. Alas, yeah, I never imagined how hard it would be to get everybody here every night. But mm-hmm. Robbie has an awful lot going on, and <laughs> Daniel's working a hundred-hour shifts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Daniel's just at work all the time. So. Oh, anyway. Um, it's just us. Okay, yeah. so I didn't tell you about this, babe. I So I'm not typically a bar kind of chick. Like, I'm much more a sit at home and watch Netflix in my bed by myself kind of person. But I have this friend who's single, and we went to dinner the other night, and afterwards she's like, hey, you want to go next door to the bar? Sure, why not? Because, you know, the kids were home with Andrew. So we did. We went next door. And we kind of went and sat in this little back room and they were telling me about the elephant that apparently like with a sideshow that like barged into the bar or something, whole, whole thing. And yeah, that's the whole thing with it's illegal to get an elephant drunk in Natchez. Right. (laughs) Well, this was, I was informed of this by this random guy who was thoroughly inebriated by the time we came across him. And so he just, he starts off the conversation by telling us that it's illegal to bring an elephant into a bar in Natchez. And then, so then he sits down, tells us, start talking about his tattoos. Like, I don't know this guy from Adam and neither does she, but he's just very chatty. He's there with his wife 
And so he's like, oh, his tattoo, and you know, so me, you know, I'm like, oh, I know, I recognize this one. This one's an Imperial Cog. I'm like, oh, I like your Imperial Cog. So then he's going to, and then he starts going on about, well, okay, so, and so he's got this one, he's got Darth Vader, and he's got this one. Well, I bet you don't know what this one is. I'm like, come on, dude, it's a mythosaur. I'm not stupid. I know what that is. And I said, so if you've seen the Mandalorian, he goes, I know way more about Mandalorians than you do. I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. And so then he starts, so then we start going back and forth, you know, comparing Mandalorian, just random, you know, bits of Star Wars information. And so we had a bit of a debate over whether the planet that the Death Watch was based on was Concord Dawn or Concordia. And so according to Google is actually Concordia. So my apologies to the random guy in the bar. You were right. The, the, Concord Dawn is a thing. And it's a very important Mandalorian thing, but it's just not the specific one that apparently I was looking for. So there we go. I lost in our Star Wars argument with a random guy in a bar. Mm. So that was my Star Wars adventure for the week. Yeah. It's really bad because I'd had like a grand total of one drink. And I mean, this guy put back like four while well, we were sitting there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's be frank about the bar that y'all were at. It's basically Natchez's version of the Moss Eisley Cantina. <laughs> It's colorful and interesting. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, it was, uh, I felt a little ashamed that I was out trivia on Star Wars by the very drunk guy. So, that was, like I said, that was my Star Wars adventure for the week. <laughs> we should start doing that. We should start just going in and, like, hitting up people, you know, and just, like, random drunk people around town being like, hey... I bet I know more about Star Wars than you and just see what kind of conversations we can get in. We can make that our new segment. Anyway, we're going to we're gonna start off. I actually had some stuff that I, I've been... Um, we, we talked briefly last week. Last week was more or less a 30-minute rambling session. I, we just kind of went all over the place. Yeah, but, we kind of did. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about Project Luminous. Mm, okay. And, and exactly what that is and what we expect from it. I mean, they've got some big names attached to it. Yeah. Of course, you know, the biggest one for me is is that they've got Claudia Gray attached. Yeah. Uh, Claudia Gray should absolutely have a hand in whatever is going on in Star Wars going forward. I kind of hated that Timothy Zahn wasn't on that list. Zahn should have probably been on that list. But we don't know exactly what that list is is and 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 Zahn is already kind of writing his other stuff. That's true. Zahn is way more interested I think in continuing with this almost a side mythology mm -hmm. that he's this creating. Tris, yeah. And with with the Chiss and and what's going on with them and and actually as long as he's interested in doing that then I, I'm what I'm excited about for Timothy Zahn is that he's moving into an era and a place in Star Wars where he should have a lot more free reign. Yes, I'm really excited about that. Which is why the original, why the, the Thrawn trilogy was so good, the first, the original Thrawn trilogy. Right, which I'm actually reading currently. Why it was so good it. was because there were no rules, or there were very few rules. I right. mean, there were a few characters you couldn't kill, and you couldn't go back to a certain, you know. Right. You know, you couldn't do anything pre-A New Hope. Right. But other than that, you know, comic book writing, I mean, or comic books and book writing in the late 80s, in the 90s, when the Expanded Universe was really at its, you know. Heyday. It's, it's heyday. It's kind of its mm -hmm. golden age. 
it was the Wild West. I mean, they were creating all this new stuff with mm-hmm. no no real right, you know, restrictions. And you know, that's kind of been one of the knocks against the new trilogy is that while it's good, the second book in particular really struggles with some things that it felt like really hemmed in in a lot of ways. Where he was hemmed in to certain concepts that they wanted him to push. Right. Um, that too, specifically. Some of that might have been that. Some of it might have been that he stepped a little bit outside of his normal zone with writing Vader and right. Anakin yeah. as well. Might have had a little bit of effect on that book because yeah. those are characters he had never written before. Some authors just don't write some characters well. I suspect mm-hmm. that given an opportunity to write him more than the one time, he would probably continue to do better but yeah. i think there were some things that they were like oh we need you to convey these concepts in this book right and yes. it really kind of backed him in a corner but the third book really soared and, mm-hmm. and took off and it really introduced mm-hmm. us to a whole lot of new stuff and yeah and timothy's on is is the highlight for us at dragon Con yeah every year. i mean and, and he's so accessible and he's so friendly and but my my favorite thing about timothy's on is that every year <laughs> he starts off with this. What would you guys think about if we did this or this? And then, like two months after Dragon Con, we get an announcement that he's already <laughs> written this. This. <laughs> yep. And so he he definitely, if you're listening, he's definitely giving you some clues as to what he's doing. What's coming next in the Zonverse? Um. But anyway, backing up to the. I guess the assumption right now with Project Luminous, I mean, they announced it, and it's a big thing. And it appears to be very expansive from Mm -hmm. comic books to novels to possibly a video game that we haven't gotten an announcement on yet. Yeah, Yeah, all kinds of stuff from the looks of it. Yeah, and possibly even... So there's some thought that these these are going to be things that are going to set the stage for the High Republic era. Yes. There's also some speculation that these... Maybe books that actually become the move, some of the next movies. Which would, I mean, how great would it be to have like legit people who've been writing for Star Wars for, you know, for for a while now, really working on on the story outlines? Because I, I mean, I think that there's a pretty broad consensus at this point that we would like to see a little more of a cohesive story next time. We'd like to see a, a beginning and an end all kind of planned out. Um, maybe a little differently. And so, I mean, they've got some really talented, really talented people in this group. They do. I'm Right now I'm reading, the. you're actually reading too, the uh, the Kylo Ren comic, which Charles yes, Soule yes. did, who's part of Project Luminous. Right. I don't know. I'm hoping that he's doing a comic book project. I mm-hmm. would assume that's what he's doing. I, kind of my thing with comic, I'm not a big comic book reader. I never mm-hmm. have been. I, I read one every now and then, but I'm not a, I'm not like a comic book collector. If we ever get Daniel back on here, that's what Daniel does. Daniel right. knows comic books very well. To me, I like novels. I, I read a lot of, I like fantasy, you know, high fantasy, science fiction, that kind of stuff. Right. And sometimes comic books, because they have to condense so much into so little, mm-hmm. They're not wordy enough. They're not wordy enough, and it comes across as cheesy sometimes. Yeah. I tend to be with you on that. 
And I don't know if Charles Soule, I haven't looked to see if he's written anything long form. I would actually like to go read something that he's done. Yeah, I have no idea. In longer form. But, you know, maybe he's just working on a comic series. Like if maybe he's heading up whatever's happening next with comic books. Yeah. His comic books have been very well received. And I can't remember the name of the person that did the art on that Kylo Ren book, but it's very pretty. It, It really is. Yeah. Um. And, and it's good. I mean, two episodes in, we're going to get into that in a minute. Um, so what do you think about the possibility that a Claudia Gray is writing a book or a series of books that's going to become the next the next movie? Oh, I would be down for that. Um, so so we may shift from from film to book to book to film. Right. Which has not been done in Star Wars. No. I mean, that's definitely a... But it gives you an opportunity to gauge the reaction to a book mm-hmm. before you spend millions upon millions of dollars making to a movie make it, out of it. Yeah. Although, I mean, you also totally give away your surprise element when you do that as well. So I, 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 I that seems a little unlikely to I, me. It does to me too. There's definitely been some speculation that that's where they're going. I don't think so. I, I would think, love to see her write some treatments. Yeah, and I think that we may see them give us characters that are going to be... And honestly, just from... That's like, kind of the impression I'm getting. They're going to introduce us to new places and new people. Right. And I kind of get the feeling that they're sort of creating the the world. Right. Kind so, of collectively. So you've kind of got your baseline of what is yeah. the what is the high the high republic era. Right. That that's what they're setting the stage for. Right. So um and I've heard them talking, you know, just from the things that they've been saying like on Twitter, it seems like the collaboration has is successful. There's a lot of good sort of think tanking for lack of a better word, kind of going on, that they seem to be really kind of being able to hash things out really well and kind of get a good, you know, at least they feel good about it, it seems like. They, you know, and of course, they're not going to get on and be like, this thing is a dumpster fire. Disney was so stupid to put me on this project. I mean, of course, they're not going to say that. But they also don't have to be like, this, you know, this is the greatest collaboration I've ever done, which is kind of the the word that, that they're kind of putting out there. I think we're on the same page as far as what we kind of hope Project Luminous is. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited. I want to see what this video game is. Yeah. Um, and, and the idea that, you know, that there's this game that's already, <laughs> you know, done. Well, you know, there was a back before um, we got the official like first view of fallen order right there was this whole thing where ea was supposedly creating this big open world game right and then they came back and said oh no it's not that we've condensed it we we've changed it's a story game and this is it's here it is jedi fallen order so which was not a hit when they said it i'm really surprised the game has been as well received as it has considering how offended everyone was that they changed the open world concept to a story. Right. I kind of wonder, and I, I kind of more than wonder what I really hope. Right. Is that what we actually had was they went, you know what, let's hold on to this open world thing mm-hmm. because we like it, but let's just put something else out right now and hold this. 
and maybe we get to go explore this new era of Star Wars on our own. And that would be amazing. So we get these places, and we get to go see what the galaxy is like Mm -hmm. 400 years before, and we kind of get to go see it through our own eyes. I mean, and we should get to see some really, you know, Alderaan and Naboo should be like at the heights of their flourishing yeah. At this point. Um, and yeah, that's really well, and some of the other core worlds. I mean, even like Corellia should not yeah. be a, a giant dumpster Dump. fire. And, <laughs> because we haven't seen Corellia not under imperial rule. We've only right. ever seen it like trashed. And I mean, right. but it's a big, wealthy world mm-hmm. um, with a lot of history. Right. So some Mandalorian worlds. I mean, yeah. the Mandalorians should be... They should be happening at this point. Right. And this should be like, I mean, this will be pre- anything we've seen so we should get really classic mandalorian you know the the mandalorians that we come across in um in clone wars there's a lot of conflict over exactly how you know how mandalorian should identify should they be peaceful or should they be warlike and at this point we should get there shouldn't be any doubt that mandalorians are warriors well, right i mean we should see the mandalorians with a ruler a single yes ruler which we see a little bit of in the clone wars but not really because like half of them have gone and kind of rebelled right it's it's a super interesting era but what i'm really wanting like right now like we need some clarification on the timeline there's some indication that we're going to get some sith lords or something to do with the sith in this era right which seems to conflict with Things that were said in the Phantom Menace. Right, yeah, we discussed that last week, you know. we're Yeah, because, I mean, we need some clarification on the timeline because, I mean, you go back, I mean, if we go back to the original establishing of how expansive this whole thing is, right. is Obi-Wan's statement that for over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic. That's pretty definitive. Now, before the dark times. Agreed. Now, now this does conflict. If, if we're going to have Sith 400 years before, that does seem to disagree a little bit with the Phantom Menace. When Mace Windu uh, says that there haven't been a Sith scene for a thousand years. Yeah. Now, okay, so here's the thing. Just because the Jedi Council hasn't interacted, or the Jedi Order proper hasn't interacted with any Sith, doesn't mean that they're not out there. It's a big galaxy, and it's an even bigger universe. So there's a possibility that there have been altercations with Sith that they either didn't realize were Sith or that they just never heard about. It wasn't someone important enough for word to get back to Coruscant that that's who it was. Yeah. Whatever is happening seems to baby be, but we do have this... I hear some people talk about, well, the, the Jedi were guardians of peace in the Old Republic for a thousand years. It's not what it says. A thousand generations. That's a really, really long time. Yeah, it really is. It's going to be interesting, but I'm I'm hoping that they're not going to do anything that's going to foul up our old existing timeline. I would really be surprised if they did. I don't think they're interested. I think that they know how much backlash that there would be if they went and tried to completely retcon things as foundational as the Jedi have been the guardians of peace mm-hmm. and the you know for a thousand generations. I think that it would not be a hit, and I think they know that. They're yeah. smart people. But They're it, paid to know things like that. Right. It'll be interesting to see exactly what the High Republic era is. Yeah. One would assume, just based on history of, on our history... That this is an era when 
the Republic is probably not at war. Right. Probably at the height of its opulence. So you're, you're looking at a time of probably peace and prosperity. So it's an interesting time to go back to. Because, right. you know, what is your story? But it, that may be just me putting putting things on that title that don't belong there. Right. But these writers are all very familiar with that type of history as well. Right. So I, I really think that when we're talking High Republic, that we're going to be talking a big time peace and prosperity, and that maybe we encounter things on our fringes as we expand, yeah. explore new areas. Well, you know, and just because, I mean, even a lot of, you know, thinking back to Clone Wars, like there are some that are very like large scale conflicts, but there's also a lot of real small scale conflicts going on. And and I think there's a lot of opportunities for those kinds of stories. Yeah. And we kind of touched on this last week, but just I'm interested in the way they're planning on going forward with these movies. They're referring to them. They're just now referring to a series of movies. We're not we're not talking about necessarily trilogies anymore. Right. It doesn't mean we're not going to get movies that can be set aside as trilogies. Right. But because I mean we do that. I mean, you know, if you kind of take a look over at Marvel, right. You know, we have an Iron Man trilogy. We have a Captain America trilogy. Mm-hmm. We have you, know, you you can still establish trilogies within that type of storytelling. Yep. But the quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. There we go. That's what we'll have with <laughs> Thor once we get done with Love and War, right? Love and, love and Thunder. Love and Thunder. Even better. <laughs> so what are the odds that we get Taika Waititi to come make a Star Wars movie? I would say at this point, it's actually really good. Yeah. I, I would say that once he's done, I mean, I, I assume they're already working on, on Love and Thunder. So... He has, I mean, he he is a Star Wars director now. I mean, he's directed one of the, you know, we've we we have eight Star Wars TV episodes right right now. You know, in one series, we haven't branched out yet. But what is the best episode of Star Wars TV? Yeah, to date. I mean, not to negate what Deborah Chow did, but you know, he it, it's all about which episode you get to direct. Right. And that's that's fair. It, it, it's not just about the directing. It's largely about what script you, they hand you. <laughs> right. So, and she did a fantastic job with her two episodes. That episode there at the end is just incredible. It really is. It's, uh, I mean, I, that, that's all there is to really say at this point about The Mandalorian. It's just incredible. It's an mm-hmm. amazing TV show. Yeah. Yeah. I think Taika Waititi is probably on the short list to direct Star Wars movies. So I we think see- that John Favreau probably is on the short list to hell. I want to see Taika well. Waititi in on those Project Luminous conversations. That's what I really would like to see an outtake of. <laughs> um, so, but I, you know, and the reason I don't necessarily think that what we're doing is, go- I think there's a movie in development right now. Yeah, I mean, we're talking three years, really under three years now, until the next movie. You know, and the other reason. One of the other things that makes me think that this stuff, the Project Luminous stuff, is just kind of setting our world up. I mean, we still have Kevin Feige's not part of this. Kevin Feige's definitely doing a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Uh, rumor is now he might be doing more than one. I'd be okay with that. And and I'm okay with, we talked about, we've, we've said all along, a lot of people have said, now what we're saying is a little different than what some people are saying. I love the Marvel, because a lot of these people don't like Marvel. Right. Or don't like the Marvel model. I love Marvel, and I love the model that they've developed. 
Star Wars doesn't need to be exactly like Marvel. We don't need to put out four movies a year. A year. No, please no. But one a year. One a year, yeah. We should be doing one a year. One every other year at least. At a minimum. So developing this, when they talk about shifting to a series of movies, I think that that's what they're more talking about doing. Not that they're talking about cranking out four movies a year, but that instead of trying to rein everything into trilogies. Right. Because I, that's it'll one be a little things, more free form. A little more free form. If you if you got two stories, if you've got two movies worth of story, you do two movies. Right. If you got four, then you don't have to cut a whole bunch of stuff out to get it down to three. So I'm excited about where they're going with that. I so we'll see. I, we should be getting some real news on Project Luminous like real soon. Awesome. Um, that's exciting. I'm I'm hoping that we're going to get some stuff. Hopefully, we're not going to have to wait until Celebration to get that news. To get any news at all. I think there's a reason that they scheduled another Celebration just one, you know, a little over a year after. Okay, so, yeah. I I don't think that it's just because, like, I think that there's... Well, here's what I think they're doing with that. And I said this back when they first did it. I think that they want to alternate Celebration and D23. I think that they needed to get Celebration on, because Celebration has really usually only been on movie release years. Right. So the fact that we're getting one this year is just weird in the first place, because there's no movie. Right. Granted, it will be right before the second season of The Mandalorian airs. But I think what they're doing is going ahead. They they didn't want to wait until 2022 to have another one. Right. So I think that they set one this year to get it on a two-year cycle. I may be totally off on that, but I think it was a matter of not wanting to wait until 2022 Right. To do it again. And so they went ahead and did one this year. And now they can wait a year till. The next movie. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, because Celebration's not going to... I don't think Celebration works as an every year thing. I think at some point it would start to lose a little bit of traction. Unless you moved it around enough. I'm still... I'm I'm big on the bring Celebration to New Orleans. Yes. Although I really suspect we go international next time. This will be three consecutive celebrations they've had stateside. Yeah. Now, the other reason I think they may have wanted to go ahead and have one is now the Disney Park, Star Wars, Galaxy's Edge is fully open. Okay. Like, all you know, the, the big ride is open in both parks Right, now. yeah. So that may have something to do with why they wanted to do it again and why it's in Anaheim. We kind of wanted to start a new thing this week. I was kind of hoping that Daniel was going to be here to start this conversation with us, but we're going to go ahead and jump into it. Kind of one of the things that we're wanting, so in in the in lieu of news and movies, we don't have a whole lot coming out. So we're not going to have a whole lot of that kind of stuff to talk about. So we're going to start kind of going into and kind of trying to take deep dives into the theology of the Force. Mm-hmm. We wanted to start that off. We We kind of... Figured start with the new stuff and work our way back. The first thing we kind of really wanted to talk about was we kind of wanted to do a character breakdown of Kylo Ren. Now, we've already talked somewhat at length about Kylo's story, at least 
His the ending. End, yeah. The ending. And and the redemption is a big part of that. And we're certainly going to talk about that. But we kind of wanted to go back. And, and it's a perfect time to start the Kylo Ren conversation because we have the opportunity to go back to see... The beginning. The beginning. So so we get, go, get to go back and see the fall of Kylo Ren. Right. Through this new comic book. You just finished the comic book this evening. Yes, like, what, I did. What did you think about it overall? Um, You know, I... Again, it's not necessarily the medium that I um, relate to the most, but I did enjoy it. And I, like you said, it is the artwork is so beautiful. And I think it's definitely, I think it definitely puts um, some interesting perspective on on Kylo Ren because you know whenever Ray first is 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 interacting with Luke, talking about. Kylo Ren, he's like, well, you know, he would just he had already fallen to the dark side, and it just, you know, that there was his version, and then of course Kylo's version, which was markedly different, yeah, of course, than than Luke's telling of events. But I think that real quick before we go any further into the comic book, I just want to say since it is a new comic book, like all the spoilers is all what we're spoilers. fixing to do, so. Uh, if you haven't read it and intend to, just be aware that we are fixing to talk about the whole thing. Okay, so with that disclaimer out of the way, I think it's clear that Luke's version of things was definitely more point of view than fact at this point. You know, the what, what we're seeing borne out is, I mean, obviously Luke was unconscious or whatever for, for a lot of it, but... I mean, we even get the impression that he didn't intentionally start that fire. That I don't know if it was Snoke or whether it was something that he did subconsciously, but it doesn't look like he intentionally... Or just a moment of just outrage. Yeah. That that he lost control. Yeah. He kind of went all Scarlet Witch on it. You know, kind of like we see her do in, in some of the movies, just sort of lose it and just destroy everything. The... The impression that we got from Luke was that he killed everyone on purpose. You know, he turned around and he saw what happened, and that's the moment whenever he he fell. And I think that we get the idea that really Kylo uh, Ben Solo's descent into Kylo Ren is really much more of a slippery slope than it is just. I mean, like Anakin Skywalker jumps off the cliff. And it's like there is no looking back. There is no. It was. It was. He did it on purpose. Every bit of it. You know. There was no like he slid into that. You know. At the moment, whenever he decides to be Darth Vader, he makes a decision and he turns. You know. He completely changes sides, and you get the the impression that Kylo Ren is sort of just sliding down the path to the dark side yeah. more than he is just jump, you know, just jumping down it. Right. Um, now I, I do think that by the end of this book, we're going to see a pretty decisive moment. And I think that you're right. And I think that whenever Ray tells Luke, you were wrong. You thought that he had made his decision then, but he hadn't, you know, you just saw the darkness, but you didn't see the conflict. And I think that that's definitely being borne out. He's still, you know, he's looking for, he, this is his, his journey of self-actualization is, you know, you've been denying me all the things about myself that, you know, 
are there and they're a part of me and how dare you not let me explore them. And so, well, now you're dead, so watch me. I'm going to go he's, find he, it all. He's very, he has a very self-centered point of view he in does. the comics. Yes. Um, he has one of, he kind of thinks everybody's out to get him or mm-hmm. everybody's like kind of taking something away from him. And he he has this thing going on where he clearly has an issue with the fact or because of the fact that he's grown up in the shadows of great people. Of, of, of great people. Right. I mean, not just great people, the saviors of the galaxy. Right. He doesn't want to be named after Obi-Wan Kenobi and Han Solo. Right. He that's not who he, you know, he doesn't want to have to live up to other people. He wants to be his own person. So those things, while they're things that everybody wants, they don't drive everyone to a selfish, self-centered place. Right. Um, but we, we get a peek at that, too. Like, we still don't know exactly where Snoke appears in the picture. Pretty early on, in the, I mean, because we see a yeah, flashback. But, well, right, we him. see a flashback of him already, like, you know, like they're old buddies. Right. So, like, where do you even come across this and, and, and he, clown? Right. So, where Snoke actually arrives in the story, I still guess is a mystery, unless it's in the timeline in the new book. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much doing exactly, exactly, exactly the same thing Palpatine did to Anakin. When now that ingratiating you know, himself is like, I'm your buddy. Oh, are they being mean to you? He is poor you. It's Palpatine. A hundred percent Palpatine. It is. It's yes. the it's that same snake in the garden whispering yes. in your ear. Uh-huh. That oh, oh, they're not giving you enough credit. Oh, poor you. They don't want you to be a master. Oh. What a shame they don't acknowledge how powerful you are. I mean So it's it's the same things. It's yes. it's the whole, you know, well, God doesn't want you to do that because he knows it'll make you as powerful as he is. Right. And that's what he's whispering in, in Kylo's ear about Luke. Yeah. Is that, oh, Luke doesn't want you to do these things. Luke is... Doesn't want you to explore yourself. Right. Doesn't want you to know yourself. Luke is trying to be a good master and, and temper... Right. The darkness. The darkness in Kylo. Right. Or at this point, Ben. So, and and he's trying not to push him. He, he's It's the same hard-headedness is Anakin where it's yeah. like I want it all now. Yeah. I should be more powerful. Yes. I should you know it's that it's the same thing mm-hmm. and it's that that craving the power and saying like, Luke's not letting me have it. Right. He and, pretty much is Anakin Skywalker in a lot of ways. And you definitely you know now looking back and knowing what we know about Snoke. Mhm. Yeah, it's it's absolutely Palpatine. Every little bit of that, the the comforting words, mm-hmm. you know, the just the the whole thing. And it's really tragic because, especially when you see and you see him in the Last Jedi, and he's so cruel. He's just he's heartless, and he just he says things just because he knows that they're going to get under. Yeah, Kylo Ren's skin. which is again exactly the same thing that we see. Yep, especially in the comics, the the Charles Soule series that he mm-hmm. did on Vader. Yes, where the Emperor once he gets his hooks, you know, he's it's it's all kind words and everything until he gets his hooks in. Yep, until he 
flips that person to what he wants them to be. Mm-hmm. And then he's... I mean, in a lot of ways, it's a classic abusive relationship. Yeah. You know, you kind of lure him in with, oh, I understand you like no one else does. I appreciate you. Poor you. I'm going to validate you. And then once, then once you can't get away, then you're like, oh my gosh, this person is the devil. Right. Because he pretty much is. And so this is one of the things we see. Because we see a lot of this whole Kylo Ren was mistreated by his family and, you know, all these things. And there's no... One one of his, one of his friends is kind of making a case. Like, you don't know what he's been through. So I don't know if we're going to see more of that in the future. You know, one of them is kind of making the case to the others. It's like, you know, well, you don't know. You don't know what, what he's been through, what challenges he's had or something along those lines. Yeah, we'll see. But I, I still don't think that a lot of the what we've heard about, oh, poor Kylo. Right. Or, you know, bears out. It really seems like his biggest challenge is... The inability to live up to all of, you know, to live up to Luke Skywalker and Leia Organa and Han Solo and Obi-Wan Kenobi and even even Anakin Skywalker. All of these things, the, these are unrealistic expectations that maybe everyone doesn't have of him, but at least he feels like everyone has of him. That he should be all of these people. So, yeah, the, the whole thing with the temple is still a bit muddled. Yeah. You know, it's it's um, whether Kylo destroyed the temple on purpose or we don't actually we pick up really after, you know, with the ruins of the temple. And he thinks he's killed Luke. Right. And all the students that weren't off world. Mm-hmm. But we don't necessarily see like he's not sorry. No, there's no remorse. I mean, he's distraught, but. But he didn't do the same thing as Anakin and walk, march through and kill everyone in the in the place on purpose. So at that point, he hasn't made he hasn't become that person just yet. No, he's in he, our story. I think that's the journey we're taking with him. Well, clearly, because I mean that's definitely who we meet at the beginning of Force Awakens. Right, is that person who's just a kill them all. So um, I'm really enjoying the comic series. I'm curious to see where it goes. I mean, we know kind of where it's going to end. I, I think right. it's. I think the story, unless there's a big twist in there, which I don't think there is, is is pretty straightforward. Right. I, I mean, he's he's. I think it's pretty obvious at this point he's going to kill Ren. Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. And sees you control know, of the knights. control over the knights of Ren. Yeah, and I think that's going to be his moment. His. Yes. Although, who do you think he's going to sacrifice? Because we already see that you got to sacrifice something you love from that very first. So what does he sacrifice his friends who are coming he, after is him? Is that what he tells him? Ren tells the the kid. Yeah. You have to, you know, somebody has to die. Yeah. It has to be a good death. A good death. Yeah. So not necessarily someone you love. Okay. I think that that's going to be what's going to lead to the conflict where he's going to kill Ren. I think that's where this is going. I may be totally off base. Yeah. But I really feel like that's where this is headed. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think you're right. I think that he's. I think he's got to kill the Ren character. I, I don't see how the story really bears out if that's not how it ends. But I. I want. I'm. I don't think that that's his evil deed that plunges him into the depths of the dark side. I, I'm curious what what is going to be his decision to do the evil thing on purpose that's going to really seal the deal. 
Although, as you pointed out, we he does ne- he ne- never does get those glowing red eyes like Aunt, we see Anakin and uh, yeah. We've never really gotten a full explanation of that whole thing, anyway. Yeah, you know why? Why do the Emperor's eyes look like that? Why do Anakin's eyes look like that? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's maybe that's part of being specifically being a Sith because Kylo Ren isn't exactly a Sith. He's no, you know, he's he's never Sith. He, he never bears the mantle of Sith Lord, and and while he is evil and corrupted, it's a different sort of. A right. little bit different journey than Anakin's. Yeah. Um, well, and it's clearly not like, you know, in in The Rise of Skywalker, we see the Emperor demanding Rey make this decision, make this irrevocable leap into the dark side, you know, and... It, well, I think that's the thing. I think Anakin fully gave himself over to darkness. Yeah. I think when everything went the way it did in the room with... With Mace Windu and the Emperor, when mm-hmm. all of that goes down, he gives up. Like, he completely gives himself over to the dark side at that point. Right. Um, There's nothing quite motivating enough. Kylo Ren isn't, you know, his self-preoccupation and his moment of betrayal by his master isn't quite enough for him to just totally let go of all the light just that fast. The interesting thing, another interesting contrast, though, is that we see... There's no illusions about who Snoke is. Snoke is peddling the dark side. Like the Emperor kind of, you know, hides the whole dark side thing. But Snoke is clearly, that's what he's selling from the get-go. But he's selling a sort of, the dark side as balance. It's natural. It's natural. And that's really interesting because that's the the kind of su- the presentation I see a lot of people sort of giving of the dark side. It's like it's just it's natural. It's it's not evil. It's just the other the other side. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's interesting. That that's how he's selling it is the way that a lot of people kind of buy into the concept of the dark side. It's like well you know it's power and it's just cool. Yeah. We actually see there is a one of the stories in the rise or in um, the legends of Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the name of the planet where the they fly the giant birds where he has to spear the fish with the yeah ridiculously uh, uh, Llewellyn. Spear. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Luel, Luel. The inhabitants are called Llewellyns, but yeah, yeah Luel. We see a little bit of that where they talk, you know, he's talking about the force and the light and the dark. And they say, no, no, it's all. Right. It's, it's all, all the part tide. of the tide. Right. But there's a, there's a moment of hypocrisy in the story. And that they give a test to decide who can be trained and who can't. Right. Because there are some who can't be trained because they will misuse the tide. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is why Luke walks away without changing his position. Right. Because it's like, yeah, but... And it's the it's the whole idea. I mean, the Bindu. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm the one in the middle. Right. Yeah, but Kanan calls him out on it. Yeah. And says, if you're no, you know, if you won't stand up and fight for what's good, then you're no better than the evil. Sitting on your hands, it's the whole, the only thing it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. There is no middle. Right. 
you either have to choose, you, you have to choose a side. You don't get to just hang out in the middle. Right. You have to choose to do the selfish thing or the selfless thing, the good thing or the bad thing. You don't just get to be like, eh, I'm going to toe this line. We see, we're beginning to see, and we'll continue to piece this together as we get more, but we're getting to witness the fall of Ben Solo. Right. Of his becoming Kylo Ren. Right. And it, you know, it turns out these are ideas he's had, you know, some of these ideas of abandoning abandoning his real identity is something he's had since his childhood. Right. Whether that's another thing that's been planted in his head, because throughout the first two issues, we see he's communicating with Snoke. Yeah. All the time. Which is, that's really unsettling. And I'm curious to see, like, we're clearly not getting, I mean, and this is Kylo Ren's story. That's why we're not getting all of Snoke's story. Right. At some point, I really hope we get a short run. Because when he first shows up, he says, look what, because, you know, look Look what. what Master Skywalker did to you. Yeah. Yeah. We There's a lot about Snoke, even though we know he's some sort of puppet. Right. You know, at this point, like, there's still more we need to know. Yeah. About how many Snokes are in that jar? It's got to be like a 12 count. Probably. But yeah, I think, I think you're right. I'm, I'm curious to see what, what more there is to say. And I think there's a lot more to say about Snoke in spot. Like you said, in spite of the fact that he's a puppet, we see lots of puppets, um, especially in the prequels, you see like a series of puppets that sort of Palpatine's thing yeah but they're a little different like those are other people who he has whispered has has whispered the right things he doesn't have a jar full of them but that's that's what he does he uses people so while you know we've seen part of kylo's journey ben's journey right um ending with redemption and i think i I don't think there's any reason i think that in our big breakdown episode of the rise of skywalker which Mm -hmm. was episode 39 if you're interested in going back and listening to that I think that we kind of talked that out and arrived at something that made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And that his moment with Ray on the Death Star and then with Han right. is the moment where he frees himself to go do good. Yes. It's not his moment of redemption, but right. it's the moment where he frees himself from those shackles and is able to see beyond himself. Yeah, for the first time we ever see him really actually looking, caring about somebody else, doing... I mean, and we're a pretty good ways back. I mean, one of the impressions was that, you know, poor poor Ben, he was just a kid, you right. know, when all this happened. But the truth is, if you go back and look at the timeline, he's an adult when he's he just... Like dest- 20, what, he's 22, early, 26 yeah, he's, years old? He's in his early 20s when he destroys the temple. Yeah. He's not a child. No. I mean, yeah, Luke refers to him... Refers to him as a boy whose master had just deceived him or betrayed him. But, I mean, that boy is definitely a grown-up. That boy's plenty old enough to have children of his own at this point. Right. It's his nephew. Right. He's always kind of like Han Solo always refers to Luke as kid. Kid, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, he's definitely not like kind of the narrative like, oh, he was just a poor, innocent child who was like he was a child who was manipulated and deceived, but he was also an adult who made a decision. I think that's a really important distinction. All girls in the world, please listen. Just because he's tragic and has a terrible childhood and is very sad does not mean that it's okay for him to be abusive. It's just not. Adults are adults, and you make your own decisions, and you're responsible for them. 
Just had to throw that out there. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the PSA. things like, we, you know, try to teach our kids mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, we've got three kids, and we podcast with them. You've probably heard them on here. But the the truth is, is that, yeah, they don't always understand that there are consequences. No. And it's, you know, so you're always trying to say, look, I'm glad that you're sorry. Right. And I really do appreciate that. But there still have to be consequences for your actions. Right. It's not okay for you to punch your brother in the face and be sorry. Like, now you don't get to have a Kindle for the rest of forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that the story of Kylo is one. But I think that what we get into, if we're we're talking about the Force, because there was all this talk around The Last Jedi of, you know, Grey Jedi and... Mm-hmm. You know, this idea that somehow the Skywalkers were able to wield the light and the dark without being corrupted. And yeah, and no. it's it's definitely that's not what we see. We see people. I mean, even Luke, we see Luke, Luke, even in, in the Rise of Skywalker, he tells him, I was afraid. And he, and he you know, he, he acknowledges what fear does. I mean, Yoda told him what fear did. Right. And. You know, when you go a little further back to what Yoda told him, you know, Luke's, I'm not afraid. Mm-hmm. So while I still don't necessarily love the way that Luke's character was portrayed in The Last Jedi. I still contend he it's was believable. This, he's this, he was this, you know, wide-eyed kid still that thought, I'm not afraid. Right. And Yoda told him. You will be. And so it was ultimately fear. It was fear. Fear was the downfall of Anakin and Luke. Yeah. Um, and fear was the thing that finally, Luke's fear was the thing that finally pushed Ben Solo into Snoke's arms. Right. Was he looked at that darkness and he was afraid. So I think that Kylo Ren is an interesting introduction into, for lack of a better term, the theology of the dark side. And that it's it's really, it's a lore. And, and I think that, it, that's how actual, actual real evil is. It never presents itself as, hello, I'm evil and I'm here to destroy everything. It right. presents as, hello, I'm here to make your life better. Forget about everybody else. Darkness always presents itself as light. I mean, and that's how, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. That's how Nazism sold itself. It's like, oh, I'm here to make you feel good about yourself. You know, you group of people Right here, I'm talking to you. You feel like you've been downtrodden and abused by the terrible, terrible allies? Let me tell you how I can be good for you. And that's evil. And it it tells you all the things you want to hear. And I think that we get a really clear picture of this in, in Kylo Ren's journey. You know, it's it tells him that he can be, he can, he can have it all. He can have all the power. He can have all of the freedom, and he can have none of the responsibilities, and he can he can leave behind everything about himself that he doesn't like, and he can just shed the past. The past can the past can that's what the dark side tells him is that the past can just die, and you can just be you. Mm-hmm. And what it doesn't tell him is that I'm really just the past coming back to haunt you and you can't be you. You're just going to be a puppet. Right. And, but the crazy thing is it's so powerful that it actually appeals to some fans. That whole idea is it's why you have fans out there that are like the Jedi were corrupted. They were weak. 
So throw out everything about the Jedi. Throw out all their teachings because they were wrong about this thing. But the teachings of the Jedi are still fundamentally sound. And we see that in, in Obi-Wan and Yoda, who both went into exile and had years to think about right. these things. And, and we don't, suddenly when they come around to teach again, it's a much less formal sort of thing. And it's the right. core and, and, and it's the roots of what a Jedi is supposed to be. And yes, condemnation of all forms of the dark side is, is still accurate. And it's not a toy. It's not something you can sort of pick up and play with and then put back on the shelf. No, it comes with consequences. It, it, you, you pick it up and you play with it, and next thing you know, it's taken over your life. Yep. And I think that's what we're going to see happen in Kylo Ren, because he thinks he can just sort of meddle with it, and that it can, it can tell him something about himself, about himself that he wants to know. It can, he's looking for the same thing Ray's looking for. He's looking for... Answers of who he, he knows who his parents are. He knows all too well who his his family is, but he wants to know who he is. And the dark side tells him the same thing that Ray, when she goes into that, you know, into that place under the island looking for answers. I want to know who I am. She thinks the dark side can tell her who she is. And the difference is that she doesn't buy it. She doesn't buy into it. Right. She doesn't sell. She doesn't buy what they're selling. But Kylo Ren, hook, line, and sinker, he swallows it. Yeah. And it's the difference of the right person talking in his ear. So that's going to do it for that conversation tonight, unless you had anything you wanted to add. I don't think so. And we want to know what you think about Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, his his fall to darkness, and his redemption. So, Marisha, what have you got that you would like to share with people? Um, well, mostly my internet presence these days is Instagram. Honestly, I'm really not on the internet very much these days. But if I am, I'm either on princesses underscore and underscore Padawans on Instagram. And I'm also P Padawans on Twitter occasionally. So you can find me either of those two places. Great. And I'm Andrew Gore. You can find me running the Twitter account for this podcast at Sci underscore Fictionary. You can drop us a line at CoruscantRadioUnderground at gmail.com. And hopefully soon you can find us again at ScienceFictionary.com. Yes, that'd be great. All right. But until next week, may the force be with you.